0: This is the Gomaluku Podcast. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to a new video podcast with Gonzalo uh, Urella with the Gomaluku Podcast with me, a very good friend of mine, Pablo Belize. Um, but um, I'm, I think you're way better in, in terms of introducing yourself than, than I can. So what is the... Um, let us, let's, let's start with the basics. The,
1: um, the origin story of, of Pablo. Well, thank you very much for having me, and it's a, it's a pleasure sharing. Uh, my name is Pablo Mis, I am Maya Erci, so greetings to everyone from uh, the lands of the Maya people in southern Belize. Um, I come from a very small community called Laguna. It is a Erci community where almost everybody in my community still speak our language. It's something that we try to, to safeguard, uh, and I think it speaks power to its application in many of the the. the contentious and contested spaces that we find ourselves on a daily basis with uh, trying to ensure that our dignity as uh, indigenous people uh, remains Uh, so that's where I come from I am part of the um, uh, effort by the Maya people's leadership to uh, secure our rights and our land we are a land-based people Um, in other words uh, we're only able to understand ourselves understand our purpose, our our, standard, our our being on this earth if we're able to have our freedom on the land that allows us to uh, develop and to generate and to create and recreate our identity as, as Maya people. Um, so I work along with the traditional leaders, the Alcalde, the Jolomil Kalebal, the Polilka, we call them in our languages, and uh, our struggle for rights to land goes back to over 30 years of uh, direct negotiations and uh, eventually litigation. Right,
0: right. <clears throat> so that's a uh, so that's a little bit of the um, like the backstory at the background of Pablo. It's, uh, explain, t- tell people that a little bit about yourself. Like like uh, when you grew up. You know, like little Pablo. What what, what is who? Uh, yeah, I was
1: Pablo when he, when he grew up in, uh, in the community. You know, those are the fun days, uh, I always say. And I think it's, it's really those experiences that uh, shapes my appreciation of uh, the challenges now that uh, I, I see in terms of us trying to continue being uh, Maya, sustaining who we are as a people. Um, uh, I come from a family of eight, and I'm the oldest. And we are a farming uh, family, which means that Um, uh, much of our needs in terms of food shelter is uh, sourced from the land and from the forest Mm -hmm. Uh, so we did a lot of farming corn rice uh, cacao Uh, we have right now a a very beautiful um, uh, plot of uh, agroforestry land that uh, is able to give us cacao coffee um, uh, nutmeg uh, uh, mami. you can name all the fruits um, really now understanding that uh, when I was a child and we were accompanying or mo- my mom and my dad planting in those fields now I can see the wisdom as to why we needed to be doing that because now I can enjoy those fruits but beyond that my children the grandchildren now of my parents are also able to enjoy uh, the fruits of the land um, uh, coming from the hard work that was done uh, years ago so that has been my history and that continues to be uh, uh, who I am outside of all this uh, technical work that I'm now involved in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And what is your... Um, do you have a, like, a, like
0: a utopian view, like a future vision for, uh, for the Maya people, for yourself maybe? Um,
1: do you have that, something? Uh, definitely. Something definitely. I think that uh, the dream, <clears throat> we always say the dream, our dream as a Maya people is to be free on our lands right. where all of us um, uh, and if not all of us but the greater majority of us can have a fair chance at, uh, at life right. and uh, we don't ask for much as I mentioned earlier we are a very hard working people and uh, we believe that so long as we're able to preserve our freedom on our land we will be able to, to make a, a decent life for, for our families. Now, I also say that in the context that as Maya people, we also call ourselves Ralchoch. Mm. Ralchoch, translated into English means uh, the children of the earth. Right. So, I say all of what I said just now in the context that it is not based on the idea of uh, exploiting the land and the resources as well. Um, in other words, if we were to do that, we would be harming ourselves as uh, a Raal Judge. So, I also see that our dream as a people is one where we are able to have healthy lands, healthy forests, because it is only by having that can we be a healthy people as well. Right, right, right. So, that is a part of the dream, I think, that we have as, uh, as, as, as Maya people. Maybe yeah, there's a last part to it as well. Mm. Times are changing. Indigenous peoples have always uh, innovated. We are a people of, uh, of innovation. The Maya history, as you will know, uh, uh, our ancestors created uh, the calendar, uh, created the numbering system. They built amazing architectures. Right. Um, uh, so the legacy of innovation is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Maya people right now, having secured rights to land, are also dreaming of building a Maya economy. A Maya economy that also preserves the, 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 the values and the principles of reciprocity. Um, in other words, what we are able to give is what we can get back. And uh, we're envisioning all of this in the context that we must be able to maintain healthy forests, healthy lands, and healthy people. Right. And how does
0: um, this vision that you have, like probably it's hard work, be um, one of the things that you're super strong about is governance,
1: right? Um, the the Maya governance system, how does that work? So, the Maya system of governance, uh, it's now called the Alcalde system, Mm. and that name was adopted when uh, the the Spaniards had encounters with the Maya people. And the only way they can uh, 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 label or give title to a community leader is based on their knowledge of, for instance, the Tongue Mayor, and that the mayor translated into English is Alcalde. Um, but they are traditionally known, their titles are the Polilka, the Cholomil Kalebal, which means the one who leads on the path or the, the head um, uh, of the community. Right. Now, we've always managed our affairs as indigenous people, pre-contact.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We've always been an organized people none of the innovations that I just spoke about can ever happen without very organized communities so I emphasize that because it is not that we're asking now to develop our own system of governance Mm. what we're saying in the context of the Maya people is that we have already something in place we want to be able to have the freedom to continue to ensure that our system of governance continues to evolve so that it can remain relevant, that it can remain responsive uh, to our communities. Because Mm -hmm. our priorities are also shifting, but our fundamental, our core values don't. And we believe strongly that we can only be able to build strong indigenous communities, anchored, rooted in our principles and our values, through systems of governance that emerges, that itself emerges on the basis and the principles of those same values that, I, that I'm, I'm talking about. So that is why for us it's very important to ensure that we continue to, to strengthen, that we continue to uh, recover in some instances mm-hmm. indigenous systems of governments everywhere. You know, one of our leaders would always uh, remind us by saying you go negotiate through a system that, that, that is not yours What? Do you, where do you expect to end up you're not going to end up uh, in your communities you're going to end up somewhere else because that system is designed to take you somewhere else ah, so yeah. I think there's wisdom to take away from that as well
0: right so is there any um,
1: there's a, a, quite a
0: number of indigenous governance systems out there uh, is there anything that's no sir. L- l- let me ask you a bit of different question uh, which is more relevant to this is, um, how is the relationship or the interaction between the indigenous government system and uh, the central government uh, of, of Belize?
1: A very important question, I think, uh, uh, one as well that uh, as indigenous peoples, based on our uh, uh, our context, it, it differs. In the case of uh, the Mayas of Southern Belize, um, uh, there is a day-to-day engagement between the, the community uh, leadership. And, uh, and central government in a variety of ways. For instance, the forest department on a day-to-day basis is looking at issues related to the, for- related to the forest. Right. What we see now though is that the forest department cannot go into a community and do as it wants. Mm-hmm. It must go through the system of governance of the Maya people, or right. at times they, are, they, they accompany the traditional leaders of the, of the communities because communities themselves have their own customary rules related to to forest and uh, its use. So there is a day-to-day engagement there. Now, I think that for us as well, we are very clear that uh, international law uh, and standards um, have now established and accepted widely by, by many countries, including Belize, that indigenous peoples, because of what I said earlier, because we've always had our own system, that in today's time we have an inherent right Mm. to develop our own system of governance and we try to make sure then that that is uh, understood as well by central government. I want to say clearly though that I mentioned earlier that it depends on the context. In the context of Belize, we're not saying that we're going to be a state within a state. What we're saying is that we need to be able to build respectful relationship between the Maya people's leadership and the leadership of, of, of central government. We need to be able to harmonize, we need to be able to create synergies between our priorities as indigenous peoples and those at the national level. Because at the end of the day, much of it actually is not very different if we're thinking about the public good or the common good. Mm-hmm. Our aim is for instance to achieve the sustainable development goals. Our aim is to, to do better at managing our resources, at uh, combating climate change. And if you look at what our philosophy as, an, as indigenous people, it speaks to the heart of the same aims that, uh, that the nation has. But the way we go about achieving them are different, so it requires us to, to, to respect processes that, we have, that, that are in place, including those processes that are of the indigenous peoples, like the Maya people. Right.
0: So, what are the, what are the major challenges that, that the Maya people face? Like um, uh, You talk about rights about environment, sustainable development. Uh, what, is, um, like, what is the pitch? What, is the, what are the biggest challenges that you face right now? As much
1: as I, I, I speak uh, about what we have and what we have been able to retain as the Maya people, I think our challenges are the same as uh, uh, indigenous people globally. Mm-hmm. The ongoing attempts uh, to dispossess us of our land is, is one of the biggest challenges. Uh, that's done through a variety of ways, either by government trying to say that they have direct control and authority over those lands, um, or by uh, giving out uh, uh, concessions, whether lagging or for mining, um, or by selling lands to to land speculators. So you see, so you see that as one of the, the biggest threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those threats now are actually evolving as well into more... Um, uh, uh silent, silent ones, for instance, we're here, um, at uh, talking about climate change. Yeah, um, carbon rights, for instance, now is trying to uh, be defined. Um, governments are trying to define it um, in isolation of land tenure. Um, that again is a threat, then again, uh, that that kind of eventually um, uh, lead us down the path of dispossession of land. So, that's one, I think. The, the other major challenge is really the appreciation by, by central government uh, and development agencies as well um, uh, of indigenous um, dreams of the future mm. um, and the inability to make those equal or part of the development agenda. Right. Um, so that's another uh, area of challenge that we see. Uh, on a day-to-day basis that we have to be working along with our government to, to raise awareness on and to try to, to bridge the gap that, uh, that exists. Um, maybe another major ch- threat as well is uh, the ongoing efforts to either dilute or to remove the capacity of indigenous peoples to be able to, to organize themselves and make decisions um, uh, through their own processes. Again, it goes back to the issue of governance. Right. Um, so that's an ongoing threat that I think uh, we face in the, the Maya communities. And mm-hmm. lastly, perhaps, the issue of uh, lack of, uh, of uh, financial resources. There's no denying that uh, indigenous communities do not exist in isolation. They, we do not exist as, as an island. And uh, you see this rapid transition of society from uh, uh, subsistence or shared uh, labor economies to now cash economy mm-hmm. um, uh, and the pace at which that is happening, um, have indigenous people kind of running behind the train, right. wanting to get on the train, and in the process giving up a lot that has actually given them that has given them security in the past. so there's a need for indigenous people's uh, 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 economic systems um, to be considered as well uh, as we talk about. Uh, 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 trying to get more um, direct access to, to cash um, to indigenous peoples. Right. How, how do you see the role of the international needs people's movement in all this? In well, it's, it's fundamental. I think that... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let me start out by saying this. One of our former chief, Mr. Alfonso Kala, always says, tells me, Pablo, don't get worried, says, our problems are not going to be solved in Geneva or New York. Mm-hmm. So don't get worried about the complications of getting there. Mm-hmm. Our problems will only be solved at the community level. And I say that in the context that there are, of course, opportunities at various levels. You cannot just operate at one level. You have to be able to operate at the various level. At the international platform, for instance, international uh, indigenous advocacy have been able to open doors, Mm. have been able to as we have been saying over the last few days, uh, uh, create hooks or put hooks in there that we can later then work on to further interpret how they're applicable to the various realities of indigenous peoples underground. In the context of the Maya, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, in in part, our success in the courts to secure legal protection for our lands um, comes off the back of The space is now available to indigenous peoples in the human rights uh, 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 platform within the United Nations system, within Mm. the OAS system. Why do I say that? Because there's multiple recommendations uh, coming from the UPR, from from CERD, from the human rights uh, uh, treaty bodies, uh, from the special procedures, urging Belize over the many years to comply with this with with its international human rights obligation. Mm. And so we then at the local level are able to use that to show the court that there is some level of global consensus that Belize needs to do better at protecting the Maya people's rights. That is an example of how the international uh, indigenous peoples advocacy um, uh, is useful to indigenous peoples on the ground, but it requires the building of capacity on the ground to be able to utilize uh, these uh, windows that are open at the international level.
0: Right, All right. Pablo, take us back to uh, the very first time you went to a to a UN meeting. How <laughs> scared was you? Like, is it like were you scared shitless, or was it
1: like how how did you feel? Well, I have to tell you that I was lost. Oh, uh-huh, okay. I felt lost. Not lost in the sense of not knowing what I came to do. But lost in the sense of not knowing which way to turn or which way to go to get to the place that I am supposed to be going. Right. Imagine my first trip was to Geneva. Mm -hmm. I land at the airport. I need to take a bus to a certain point and then get on the tram to go somewhere else. I look around... There's nowhere to pay. The, you have to put money in a, a box to get a ticket. Well, you don't know which which bus to take. Yeah. Uh, you don't have Google Maps, <laughs> so you're right there. You're trying to talk to people. It's a good thing in Geneva. Actually, people understand a lot of Australian English. International, yeah. Uh, so they're able to explain. But feeling lost, mm. feeling lost. I think was uh, was was uh, was what I felt there. That's that's at the just landing. Mm. And then within the, the quarters of uh, the review of Belize, for instance, I think I, was, I came for the Human Rights uh, 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 Body's review of, uh, of Belize. You know we indigenous people like to talk. And we can talk uh, for hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally we talk about the moon, the rain, the sun. And it's not, not just people in Belize, though, but it's, <laughs> it's indigenous people like Indigenous people in indigenous general. People in general. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to our point. Yeah. But in these hearings, you have two minutes. Yeah. So, there's also that, that's also very intimidating. How mm-hmm. am I able to get yeah. my message across in two minutes? And then the leaders expect you to be able to get the message across. Right. Again, a very intimidating space within the corridors of the UN trying to, to, to utilize mm-hmm. uh, uh, the processes. Right. Again, again, it goes back to the point of the need for capacity for indigenous peoples to be able to utilize those uh, spaces effectively.
0: What did you wish when you, so when you first went to that? Because it was UPR, or was, uh, what kind of process was that? That was the, the,
1: the Human, Rights, uh, Human Rights Committee? Yeah, Committee. Right.
0: So, retrospect, uh, what, what is something that you wish wished you knew back then
1: that would have helped happened? a lot? Well, one one was to that i wish that i i, I understood how the how the system worked so the, the that i i wish that i understood uh, um how to go about uh preparing my my statement um mm. understanding the procedures and, and and those kind of things I, that's 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 what that's one thing that i that i that i hoped i'd wish actually um after that i did apply for the for the fellowship
0: okay. Because i learned yeah. at that
1: time that uh that there are opportunities within the within the UN, and the fellowship then basically allowed me to to build a greater understanding of uh, the entire UN system, right. um, specifically on uh, indigenous people. And this is why, this morning again, I, I shared on my Facebook page and on our work uh, Facebook page, um, urging urging other indigenous people to make use of the opportunities within the UN Voluntary Fund, because it is only by Accessing those that you can uh, begin to build capacity, and those capacities um, can become very crucial in terms of how you move strategically the work of protecting indigenous rights at the community level.
0: Well, what is the main takeaway from from you when you when you went to uh, to do the fellowship program?
1: Well, it built a, a, a better understanding. It built my understanding in terms of how the various. Uh, a mechanism works. Mm-hmm. So when you talk for instance about the UPR and the Human Rights Council, yeah. that's a whole system in itself. So I, I, I was able to understand how it works um, when you talk about the treaty bodies as well how they operate the, 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 the special procedure, the rapporteurs mm. uh, those kind of things. Understanding for instance like CERD when you can demand for instance for uh, early warnings and those, and those kind of, those kind of, uh, of, uh, of support that exists. Yeah. Um, so those for me were, were, were very critical because they're, they're most relevant to how um, we can use them in the context of our advocacy um, with a government that at that time was simply um, not responsive hmm. to the issues of indigenous peoples. Right. Okay. And so you did the fellowship program, which
0: is, it was a ha- half a year. Uh, quite a while ago, but I don't know what what the uh, what the current fellow, the length of the fellowship program. It was about
1: three months. Three months, three right? Months, yeah, yeah. So I it's, think it's okay. uh, like half a year for the for the Spanish and uh, All right, yeah. speaking um, uh, beneficiaries, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now you're you're a board uh, trustees of the the voluntary fund. Well, yeah, I mean I've been fortunate to then continue my participation and engagement in the UN system. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, uh, been uh, um, following the work of EMRIP. Uh, in fact, uh, we have submitted um, uh, to the thematic studies that they have done, um, as they relate to the situation of the Maya people um, uh, in southern Belize. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, we have studied, we have followed the forum, uh, participated now um, quite a bit in the climate change as well yeah. um, efforts, and uh, I think all of that leads led to the um, uh, to my nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a part of the, the Board of Trustees for the UN Voluntary Fund, mm-hmm. um, a position that uh, um, I'm honored to, to to take on. And uh, I hope that uh, um, more of our constituent members in the Caribbean and Latin America can uh, access or even just build their awareness of, uh, of the fund. Mm-hmm. Um, because recently the fund has now expanded its uh, its mandate hmm. um, to support the participation of uh, indigenous communities now in uh, the climate change uh, process, yeah. climate change talks, the climate change negotiations that are ongoing. Because it is recognized that uh, uh, the, the the impacts of climate change is uh, a direct um, a direct. Uh, against the human rights of uh, of indigenous peoples, uh, and beyond that, the the ability of indigenous peoples to continue surviving um, as uh, as as indigenous peoples. Um, the mandate is also has also been expanded to support work under the human rights and, and, and business um, uh, portfolio. Mm-hmm. Again, recognizing that uh, there is a need for uh, uh, development and business that's happening on indigenous territories. To more and more comply with uh, human rights standards and one of the ways that that can be done is when indigenous peoples are able to build their capacity yeah. um, in that area then they become a part of the process of uh, supporting all those involved in upholding uh, human rights in in, in business right As, um, assuming this is your first climate change meeting um, right and this, at least under the UNCC, is that uh well, Which I was... Not necessarily. I was... Okay. Uh, uh, I participated in the 2015 Paris... Uh, ah, uh, um, the big one. The big one. The yeah. one, yeah. There was a lot of... Uh, I think it was a turning moment for the negotiations. A lot of indigenous peoples there. Um, so, yeah, I've been able to follow that. And uh, at the national level as well, we, we're very much engaged in this uh, uh, discussion
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because we know that Belize has a, a keen interest as a country in... Uh, the entire climate change uh, uh, negotiations um, including its m- the mitigation and adaptation um, uh, proposals right
0: um, so what were your expectations um, before you got to bond notice substa meeting or, um intersessionals well, what were your what were
1: your thoughts well for me expectations it's, it's twofold uh, one is uh, I'm here uh, to support the, the beneficiaries of the fund. Mm-hmm. and uh, One of the aims we have is to understand um, better how the resources of the fund can be effectively and efficiently used, used to support uh, indigenous people's uh, participation. So we're doing um, an assessment of uh, um, what's happening here in Bonn in terms of the participation of, uh, mm-hmm. of beneficiaries. Um, so that's one. and. I'm here as well as a part of, I mean, on behalf of the Maya people. And uh, in that field, as I said, Belize, uh, who has a delegation here, uh, has been aggressively pursuing um, uh, climate change uh, uh, adaptation and mitigation Mm -hmm. uh, uh, support. Um, We've been able to work along with the government to to include language in the NDC of Belize uh, that now makes reference to indigenous peoples, Uh, Of course, as it is the case with many indigenous peoples um, while we are able to get language in there, how we use the language in the actual implementation of the national plans is actually going to tell us uh, our report card. So my hope here is to continue um, uh, joining the efforts of the uh, global uh, platform um, of indigenous peoples in uh, our advocacy to ensure that uh, um, uh, human rights is a, uh, is rooted mm-hmm. in uh, how climate change uh, uh, mitigation adaptation um, uh, is uh, is operationalized, right. and and that it also ensures that um, it considers uh, direct uh, support, direct uh, resources, direct financing to indigenous peoples. Um, so. I, I was looking forward to being a part of the conversation and the advocacy mm-hmm. um, with the uh, other indigenous peoples here yeah. uh, to advance those points. Also because in the case of Belize, those very points will be the points that we will have to continue as well advocating at the national level with our with our government. Mm. So you've... Um... <clears throat> The day three,
0: right now, you've seen a you've seen a facilitator working group at work. Yeah, you see the caucus at work, caucus meetings, preparatory meeting. Uh, what else? Strategy meetings and um, informal meetings. So, what are your what are your impressions of uh, yeah of this whole climate change um, yeah podium where, where we as indigenous people are operating on? Yeah.
1: Well, I think for us as indigenous peoples, there's there certainly has been. Uh, a, an increasing level of capacity to to organise uh, ourselves in terms of where are the priority actions areas to to act on. Um, so we've we've all witnessed the Caucus in action, the Caucus being very efficient in uh, um, either um, uh, developing position papers or advocacy papers, uh, and in being, being able to circulate those uh, those uh, position and advocacy papers to to member states or to parties. Um, uh, so, so that I think is something to to acknowledge and to 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 uh, give credit to um, the indigenous leaders that have been and that continue to be a part of the organizing of the indigenous peoples at this level. Mm-hmm. Because it's not an, it's not an easy, it's not a friendly space to be. Mm. Um, uh, in fact, uh, we all know that this is not a space that welcomed indigenous peoples in the in the beginning. No. Uh, but this level of uh, of coordination by indigenous peoples, I think continues to to break barriers and continues to create that that space yeah um, I've also been very impressed by um, uh, the ability of the, the the caucus to to follow the various thematic areas um, uh, and uh, to go beyond that by engaging in uh, informal uh, uh, meetings with uh, uh, various parties and uh, establishing common understanding um, so while indigenous uh, 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 representatives are not able to enter the negotiation rooms, at least there, there is some level of confidence that uh, there are parties mm-hmm. that uh, will bring those issues to the table because it's also in their interest. Um, so I think that there's a, there, there's a level of, uh, of, of uh, um, uh, uh, very good coordination that is mm-hmm. happening amongst indigenous peoples at, at this level. Right.
0: Anything you're looking forward to the the next? Because you will be will be here for the next. Uh, well, for the entirety of of uh, yeah. Anything you look forward to? Anything you you're, you're uh, keen to uh, discover?
1: Well, I think that uh, as the, the weeks go by, we begin to understand who is here, who is interested in what. Um, I look forward to, for instance, uh, more uh, of the bilateral informal meetings, um, uh, because it, it provides us an insight. Uh, with an insight of what is going on in those closed rooms, what are the questions that uh, is lingering. Mm. Um, uh, and I think uh, uh, I look forward to understanding those so that we can, uh, um, again, continue to to look at how we can better um, uh, position the priorities of indigenous peoples uh, within the framework of uh, the priorities as well of, uh, of, of many friendly uh, uh, states that are in these negotiations, so I look forward to more of those uh, yeah. kind of uh, meetings. Well,
0: let me end up with the, with the final question. Um, something that came up uh, during the conversation, what, and I'd love to hear your take on it. What to you, um, and it doesn't have to be like a very legal answer, but like mm-hmm. what is what to you? What is traditional slash indigenous knowledge? indigenous people's knowledge let's see I mean (laughs) I I like how you reframed
1: it in these people's knowledge yeah Yeah. Yeah. we I think have always been clear that we are a people that have innovated that have created and that is a a practice that we continue to do (laughs) because if we were not able to do that we would not continue to exist as indigenous people. Now, when we talk of those innovations, when we talk about creating, recreating or our, our existence as indigenous people, we're talking about our, the things we know, hmm. the things that we understand, we're talking about our priorities, we're talking about our principles, our values, and combined together our awareness that it will sustain us as a people. Mm. So, my humble take on indigenous knowledge rests within that understanding. Mm. And uh, it is, and I think it is because of this kind of, uh, of understanding that often I think I heard somebody or some a state member saying uh, I don't remember the exact language. Uh, is it true science? What was the language that was used? Yeah, true science. Yeah. Something, yeah. something to that effect. But essentially, already they're uh, positioning contemporary knowledge, contemporary science as more valid than uh, the millennial uh, uh, knowledge, the mille- 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 millennial uh, 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 know-how of our people. Mm. So there's a need to bridge that gap. I think there's a need to to include indigenous people's uh, uh, knowledge uh, traditional knowledge in uh, um, uh, the planning in the conceptualization of not only projects but policies Um, because it has sustained um, uh, the remaining 80% of the biodiversity that we we have
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it has sustained cultures that uh, goes back to hundreds of years so there must be some wisdom. We some must have relevance. done something right. Yeah. We must be doing and we must have done something right. Right, yeah. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Um,
0: Pablo, we have a, a meaning in a little bit, so <laughs> we must end it up. Um, any final
1: thoughts? Words of wisdom? You know, I think that uh, the work that we're engaged in um, mm-hmm. as indigenous people is uh, is one that uh, is not owned by, by any, any one indigenous people's group, or any one person. This is a collective effort. Um, As much as we come from different regions of the world, um, our ability to come together like this at these platforms allows us to pool our knowledge together and uh, put forward very, very clear and very strong positions. And we do this not because of our own interests, but but because there's been some right in it in the past. Mm. And we want to be able to, to lean on that to enable us to have a healthy indigenous peoples, a healthy world um, going into into the future. So I'd encourage indigenous peoples to continue being uh, engaged, particularly young people. Um, uh, it is not an easy place to, to be. It's not perhaps the most glamorous and rewarding space. Mm. Um, we're talking... A short while ago with a, a Sámi colleague um, who was explaining that in this kind of uh, work with indigenous people, you're no attorney, but you need to know a little bit of everything mm. from climate change, forest protection, sustainable development, governance, land rights. So you, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to be able to orient yourself in those various areas. But we need you. We need you, the young people. We need you, the our indigenous brothers and sisters, to, to, to hold the hope and to keep being a part of the process. All right. Well said, Pablo. All right. Thank you so much.
0: I hope you found this episode informative and helpful. If so, please share it with your friends on social media. Um, feel free to subscribe as well to the podcast where I document conversations and on these and more topics in more detail.